Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to golf, but it's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph. Rudo, I am going to bring back an old Jesse Montano staple here, and I am going to start us off with an icebreaker. Our uh, listeners only have really known you from your streamables, some of your video content, your broken ass chair, and uh, your work on Reddit. So let's, uh, you know, if they're not familiar with any of those things, let's... Let's start to get to know you a little bit, okay? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite cartoon character and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. I have a couple. Oh, you have like a list? Not uh, a okay. not a whole list, just a few. Uh, as a kid, I really loved Tom from Tom and Jerry because he would get the crap beat out of him but would still end up outsmarting. Jerry about half the time and then of course Jerry would get away but <laughs> uh, all right and then a more modern cartoon character I guess it's not modern anymore but modern when I was a kid um, is Ed from Ed Ed and Eddie which one uh, the the stupid one Ed <laughs> okay um, because he just loved life all the time. Didn't matter what was going on. He wasn't the brightest, but he just enjoyed being part of the ride. All right. That's interesting. I, uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie was, oh man, that was like right at the end of my regular, uh, cartoon watching phase of my life. So I, uh, I was very hit or miss with that. I'd watch it occasionally. It was a funny show though. I liked it. Yeah, it, it wasn't anything too complex, was it? Neither was Tom and Jerry, no, no, to be fair. No. But, yeah, I mean, and then... It was loud. You could get into the whole tsunami conversation as well. But, you know, I feel like picking Goku's just cheating, so... Um, I mean, if you're into that... <laughs> that's, you know, Goku, huh? Sure, why not? Be the fanboy. 
Yeah, I um my uh my best friend was a huge Vegeta fan. That's fair. I I used to fancy myself a Krillin fan, but I just couldn't actually do it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get there. No. <laughs> After he gets cut in half for the sixth time. Yo, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh that's okay, that's quite a list. I um I don't know that I have any favorite cartoon characters like off the top of my head that weren't just pulled straight from the X-Men animated series. So, I mean, um, for me, it would probably be Gambit and Wolverine. Perfectly those fair. Were, those are the two characters that I just, and, and like when you love Gambit, you kind of love rogue just because they're together. Yeah. They're, they're a, they're a thing. So, um, and she's a, she's a great character in her own right. I don't want to make it feel like I'm minimizing her. Uh, yeah. Um, As a kid, I could never do the superhero like shows. I Justice League would always be on when I got home, and I'd be like, "Nah." <laughs> yeah, never, never watched it. No, X Men animated series was like it in like the early '90s, and um, uh, my brother got me into Transformers, so gotcha. I watched. Watch some of that as well, but I didn't have any favorites from Transformers. It was just like Optimus Prime is cool, and then he, you know, he dies, and it's just like, all right, well, I'm not going to buy the rest <laughs> of these toys just because you guys are trying to sell them to me. So fair, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're four minutes in. We've talked about cartoons. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get to what we're actually going to talk about. We are just as a heads up. We have been uh, kind of drowning you guys in draft talk lately. And uh, so we are going to take the next couple of days off. Um, Really, pretty much this whole week, we're not going to talk NHL draft too much. Uh, Today, we are going to do some contract stuff. And then we are going to look at the league as a whole. There's been a lot going on around the league. Game seven of the Stanley Cup finals is on Wednesday. So we'll be talking about that this week. And then uh, be a GM. Judge GM on Friday is is going to happen again. Again, if you guys have not already sent in your submissions, and based on my inbox, most of you have, um, bsnavalanche at gmail.com. A lot of people have started sending them to my personal one. Don't do that. <laughs> you aren't disqualified or anything. It just kind of muddles my, my inboxes, and I'm trying to keep everything straight. So um, send them to bsnavalanche at gmail.com for your uh, GM submissions if you want to continue to play. I think Nathan and I are probably required to do ours this week, so we'll uh, we'll do we'll we'll slip ours into the end of the show, maybe the beginning of the show. I made sure maybe the middle of the show. At least one interesting trade, at least. <laughs> yeah, I have not done mine yet, so we'll uh, we'll see. Tried to I'm trying. To, I'm waiting for inspiration. Mine. I got a got a thought to make it a little less boring. So. <laughs> Yeah, see, there you go. Oh, man, while while we were recording, I just got another one. There you go. They keep rolling in. I tell you, I it's it's funny when I wake up and I see like five emails and I'm like, these are just GM things. <laughs> and I look I look at my phone. It's like, oh, yep, certainly. Uh, well, playing real GM uh, is Jason Botterell up in Buffalo, and they got to work. Signing Jeff Skinner to a nine, or I'm sorry, an eight-year, seventy-two million dollar contract worth nine million per season. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Skinner. He got his money, didn't he? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, it's 
I mean, power to Skinner. Buffalo, it certainly seems like they had the money to do it, but man, if oh, yeah. that isn't steep. Yeah, my initial reaction was um, about a million more than I would have paid for Jeff Skinner. Yeah. But Buffalo was in a tough spot where they absolutely had to keep him. They traded for him. Now, while they didn't, they certainly didn't give up a lot for him, uh, you can't in back-to-back years give up Ryan O'Reilly for essentially nothing and then watch, watch Jeff Skinner go into free agency. Uh, when you're sitting on, they were just under $30 million in cap space uh, before the signing. They're all the way down to 20 now, but they, and they don't have anybody. Yeah. I think if they lose Skinner, their next best winger is Acapozo. Right. And And, well, and Kyle Pozo has, has not been. No, not what they had hoped. (laughs) Yeah, he has not been the guy that they had, they thought they were getting, which a lot of people were like, well, I'm trying to tell you that. <laughs> there was a reason I was very anti-Kyle Opozo that summer. Yeah. Uh, having watched him with the Isles for a long time, like good, like like a nice player getting hard carried on a, on a line with a great center. Yep. <clears throat> Although, you know, it probably, sh- you know, Jack Eichel's not bad either, so. I guess that dude's okay. <laughs> but. Sam Reinhardt, it's really like Skinner, Eichel, and Sam Reinhardt is kind of that, yeah. that top line now. Right. Uh, as they as they find a home for another <laughs> a guy they drafted second overall in Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite work out as well as Eichel, did he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, a, you know, he had a 60-point year last year, so that's nice. But so did Skinner, and Skinner just got $9 million. <laughs> Uh, Reinhardt's a UFA next summer, so is that? I mean, they they kind of set that precedent there. But again, like I think Skinner got the nine million because they absolutely had to keep him at all costs, and so I think that I think the extra million or so dollars, maybe five hundred thousand dollars, was purely a leverage play. Like they understood Skinner and his camp understood they've got the Sabers where they want them. Yeah, they've got they've got a team that absolutely has to keep him. Absolutely has to, if they're ever going to be competitive, they've got to start keeping some some of their 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 good players. Yeah, and then they've got almost no money on the books long term. Their only contracts um, beyond beyond this beyond one year are Eichel, now Skinner, Opozo, and Ristolainen, and Rasmus Dahlin's ELC. If you want to count that, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think Skinner was working from a point of leverage there. Not only that, but I mean, he scored 40 goals in a contract year and, and goals pay the bills. So yeah. I think that helped push him through, which which we won't see for Reinhardt as much. Um, yeah, Jeff Skinner's a goal scorer. Yeah. That's been his thing his entire career. Uh, a guy that's had multiple 30-goal seasons in the NHL. But his career high in points is 63, which he's done twice now. Um, but, it, you know, the upside is he he uh, he did those 63-point seasons twice in the last three seasons. Yeah, a little bit of consistency there for him. Yeah. And, and you know, a 37-goal season three years ago in Carolina, dropped down to 24, and then got back up to 40 with Buffalo. Honestly, could have led the league in goal scoring the way that he started the year. And then I think he only scored two goals in his last like 25 games or something. So had a major drop off in the second half of the season. Uh, but Buffalo as a team did. Yeah, so they sure did. 
you know, was it all just, was it just a PDO run? Like what was you, it'd be, it'd be curious. It'll be, it will be curious to see how he does in subsequent seasons. A lot of people in Buffalo were doing the whole, he's not clutch thing. He can't, he can't perform in games that matter. But of course they were also the same people that ran Ryan O'Reilly out of town a year ago. And look at him now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So interesting. Um, Skinner's effect on the market, the immediate effect, which guy do you think it, it means the most for right away? Uh, Anders Lee, I think, is is the most important one. I think he's kind of in the most similar type of vein. He's te- technically still New York Islanders property. If the Isles feel like they need him, he can do the same kind of thing and force that cost up. Or if he's going to free agency, he can say, look, this guy got paid $9 million to be a goal scorer. And what I do is mm-hmm. a goal scorer. He's only one year removed from scoring 40. Mm-hmm. So, and 62 points. Yeah. An almost identical season. Right. So, that you know, he didn't quite do it this year. I think he only had 28. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, yeah. that works against him a little bit. But, but you're talking about the same type of situation where a, a player is going to get that money for the goal scoring ability and on the free agent market, especially now that Skinner has signed at 9 million before hitting the market. I don't think Lee will get that quite that much, but it's definitely going to push his contract value up. I think it probably puts Lee right about 8 million because he does not have the same kind of track record over many, many years. Uh, The recent track record is it's actually really similar. Uh, if you just go back the last three years, Lee has seasons of 34 goals, 40 goals, and 28 goals. Um, whereas Skinner's last three seasons were 37, 24, and 40. Yeah. So you're talking very, very similar seasons here. Uh, just a, a couple of goals here or there uh, separating them. Uh, but Lee also 52 points, 62 points, 51 points. So very similar profiles in that they are goal-heavy guys and um, not not big assist guys, but are, are also you know wings that need to have uh, very good centers kind of driving their play. Yeah, they're they're finishers, yep. not guys that are. Uh, Gonna, you know, and Lee played some at center, but he's his best fit is on a wing next to Matt Barzal. Yeah, like, but like that's straight up, you know, get that's where that's they need to be together. Yep, the same way that Eichel and Skinner need to be together, like that they just have to you got to put them together. Yeah, those are are the best that they have, and uh, you know, don't no, no need to get cute with that one. Those are those are your horses. You play him that way, and with the Islanders, lots of money, again, kind of like uh, with Buffalo. Lots of money to spend. Um, The Isles have $27 million in cap space uh, to bring Lee back, but I do think, I I agree with you, Lee's market is the one that had Skinner signed for eight, then Lee is probably looking at seven, seven and a half. Now I think Lee is probably looking at eight, eight and a half. And as a guy who's not a great skater and already 28 years old, you do wonder about paying long-term. I don't know that I would go eight years. I don't know that I would go seven years on Anders Lee. Yeah, I mean, I wonder about Skinner even paying him that long. But Yeah, I mean, you really do have to... There's not a lot of guys that have 
careers that go deep into their 30s, into the into the 33, 34, 35-year-old range, where they're still scoring 30 every year. Right. It's your especially the way guys like Lee do it, your body gets beat up to get right. to the positions right. that he gets to. I mean, taking all that abuse and like he's a big boy, so he's built for it, but you're right. Like it does it has a cumulative effect. I mean, that wear and tear over the years, it starts to build up on a guy. Look at Wayne and, Simmons, man. And I mean, I know that's to the ultimate extreme, the way he plays, right. but, but he's fallen apart. Well, that was that was also a guy that had major injuries and had major surgeries to go along with him. But that's all. I mean, Anders Lee is one hip injury away from potentially becoming Wayne Simmons. So Pretty much. You're, you're very – you do have to worry about the wear and tear on power forwards like that. And – uh, how they're how they're going to age because he does have that kind of game and oh, yeah, I don't know I mean they look at Andrew Ladd like for the Islanders yeah. they've got to be careful <laughs> they've got Andrew Ladd for four more years of 5.5 million and he may never play again because injuries have just sapped him of all effectiveness he got he basically got to New York and fell apart yeah physically immediately didn't take long did it no, not at all. And that was he was thirty when they signed that contract, so he's just two years older than uh, than than Anders Lee is uh, right now. And Anders Lee turns twenty nine. We're saying he's sitting here twenty eight. He turns twenty nine on July third. Of course, on the other side of the coin, you have Joe Pavelski, who just put up thirty eight goals at thirty four. So <laughs> right, and you do always have those exceptions where you can be like, oh, well, those guys exist, so this guy will be totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a risk to take. There's a reason that the Sharks said, "Okay, we'll bring Pavelski back on a on a five year deal." Or was it a six? I think it was five, right? They signed him when he was 29. Um, yeah, yeah some something like that. They oh. up until recent years when they gave Vlasic and Burns all of the years and all of the money. <laughs> yeah, uh, they'd actually been pretty conservative with some of those contracts, right? But. You know, it, it's more of a, especially when they start getting up into the mid thirties, this is a, let's take yeah. it year by year more type of thing. It was a five-year deal. Okay. Yeah. So, so At that 29 years old, even that feels like, you know, you're pushing it at 34, but it was reasonable for a player of, of that caliber. The thing is now we're starting to see the new market set, right? They mm-hmm. signed Pavelski for five years for six million, and Skinner just got signed for nine million for eight. And this might be the beginning of the new normal. It, you know, Skinner also again like had unique leverage on uh, a bad team that absolutely, absolutely was dying to keep him, uh, and won with cap space. Yeah, and and sure, maybe the reality of the new normal mm-hmm. is more like eight million for these type of guys. But that's still a significant increase. And yes, it does mm-hmm. come with the cap increasing as well. But it, you have to adjust your thinking on on how this works and look more at cap percentage than actual dollar value. Well, and the cap percentage is significant. It uh, is. Skinner's is at, at $9 million right now. Uh, it's 11.32%. That's huge. Yeah. When we talk about a guy that you know has like a 6% cap hit percentage, you're like, okay. Not insignificant, but something you can work around. At 11.32%, you need that guy to be a star player for you. Yeah. Like, like flat out, that guy has to be a star player. He he has to be 
one of the top 50 guys in the NHL. Because sure. he's being paid like it now. Yep, yeah, no, I would have no argument there. Anything less than that would be disappointing. Yeah. I mean, when you look at you look at some of the deals uh that that the the big stars have signed over the years, you know, you obviously you look at like a Crosby at eight point seven million dollars right now. That that deal that was a that was a unique deal because it was during the uh the whole loophole era where guys yeah. were getting signed for their whole careers. Yeah. But even then, when he signed that, that was a 12-year deal. The cap hit percentage at the time of signing was 14.5. Yeah. And now, like, now, you know, at 8.7 million, like, oh. Right. It's... That guy's a huge steal. But I do wonder, you know, the, the Pavelski thing, I, th- I think, this year is going to set up for an interesting conversation for a guy like Malkin in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree there. And. And that's the double-edged sword of of signing a guy to an eight-year type deal, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about the negatives where if they get old and fall off, then that's horrible. But if they keep staying at good pace up into their mid-30s, all of a sudden that nine million drops from an eleven percent cap it to eight, seven percent. Right. And you're perfectly fine with that. Well, and using Malkin right now, uh, he's making nine point five million. At the time of signing, it was fourteen point seven seven percent. And you know, with Skinner's at just over eleven percent, I you know I haven't done the exact math here, but five hundred thousand dollars more. Malkins is probably in the eleven percent somewhere. It's dropped three percent, right? With three years to go on that deal, like that's that's you know their their cap troubles are getting easier, a little easier every year because the cap continues to go up, and those percentages keep going down and down and down and down. You know, Chris Letang, wildly effective uh, at seven two five million. You know, he's he's still a guy that is that plays really well and produces a lot of points for them. And that that contract gets a little bit better every single yeah. year. Tyson Berry's about to get paid eight, right? So Letang's going to be cheaper than that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Be cool. I almost could could have gone a whole show without getting into it, <laughs> but it is. I mean, it is an ever present uh, contract right. and and a and a situation that kind of it, looms over the entire organization right now. It doesn't go away until he's it's the contract is done or he's gone. It's right. just the way it is. Yep. Fair enough. Um. Any final thoughts here on Skinner himself? Because we're going to continue to talk about this deal, the effect it's going to have on the market. But any any last thoughts here for segment number one on just Jeff Skinner? Skinner is an interesting guy. He would be someone that that I would have been very interested in on the Avs. But boy, nine million. I just I would have been tough. Yeah, it, if that was the going rate on on July one. I wouldn't have blamed the abs to not be in on that. That would have been a tough sell. Yeah. Because then you'd have, I mean, really, well, we'll get into this next segment. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to keep going down this rabbit hole. Otherwise we're going to have one really long segment and two, <laughs> two ultra short ones. So <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's, let's dump out of this one for right now before we get too into this uh, and the effect it's going to have on other people. Cause this contract is still going to matter quite a bit for the Avalanche and on a couple of different fronts, potentially. Yep. So 
Before we uh, get into that game-changing contract and its effect, I'm going to tell you guys about some game-changing <laughs> coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives with incredible reviews that you have to check out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN 2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it. Segment number one here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Welcome back in segment number two here in the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Nathan, where does the, where does a fish deposit their money? Uh, I don't know, like a fish bank account? Close! In the riverbank! Ah, makes sense. Yes! <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Jeff Skinner's contract going to have a little bit of effect on some things here. One of the one of the things I think it's going to be used for, and now this is a little ways off here, but the Avs have two years left on Gabriel Landeskog's deal. They do. 26 years old right now for Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Um, 5.571429 uh, AAV. <laughs> I exactly. hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Why would why why couldn't he have just given him forty million? <laughs> why thirty nine? Like ah. Anyway, point being, uh, very similar profiles here. Uh, Jeff Jeff Skinner just turned twenty seven, so when Landeskog is eligible for free agency, he will be a year older than Skinner. But looking at what has happened over the last couple of years with Landy. You know, pretty similar in that, uh, you know, Landeskog way more assists. But pretty similar in that they were both, you know, 50-ish, 60-point guys. Landeskog was good for mid-20 goals a year. But could give you 30 assists on top of it. And then this last year, obviously, had a point-per-game season. 75 points in 73 games played and had 34 goals scored. If that keeps up for the next two years, how yep. much does this Jeff Skinner contract come into play when Colorado has to sign Landeskog? I think it, it definitely matters if he proves that he can consistently score 30. That's You can't discount it at all. I do think it is a little bit of a different factor. You kind of mentioned this on Pavelski as well, because Landy's the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. He's always huge part of the culture. Yeah, he's face of the like franchise. A guy who always wants to be here. So I I don't see him maybe using that leverage quite as aggressively as Skinner did. But then the cap's going to go up another however many million, especially with Seattle coming in. So right, his his deal. Uh, Landeskog's deal will end as they begin play. Right. So, you know, that if it's anything like it was with Vegas, that came with a, a big cap increase as well. And it would not surprise me at all to see Landy making, making big money. Um, I wonder, it, it'll be very interesting to see where Landeskog's contract stacks up against what Ranton ultimately ends up getting. 
because I can see them ending up in quite similar areas. Is that incentive? Is that a loan incentive for Rantanen to not take a long term deal? It might be. It, it you know you're probably getting a a good chunk of change more because the cap is just going to be larger if you end up taking a bridge. I don't. I basically wouldn't do that if I was the Avs. I would do whatever it takes to get him signed long term. But yeah, but I mean, if you're talking about from Rantanen's position. Yeah, of course. You can be looking at the same exact situation that we are right now and say, okay, Jeff Skinner got that. Landy, let's say Landy does have two more 70-point seasons uh, in the next two years. Say 75 points each. That, and he and he drops 30 goals in each of them. I think you're looking at more than nine million. I think you're looking at more like ten and a half. Maybe, um, especially given that he's really good two way. But I think I think you bring up a good point though. He does not. He wouldn't have the same kind of leverage Skinner had. The Abs would not be in the same kind of desperate right. situation to keep him because they're trying to build something, anything that's a window. That's, you know, but those two years, you fully expect them to be right in the middle of contending for a cup, you know, competing for, for division championships and captaining that team as well. Right. So So there's a lot of reason. There's a lot of reason for him to stay and not extract every last dollar he can from the organization. I'm not talking about a hometown discount. I'm just talking about a middle ground here between ruthlessly using every ounce of your leverage to to get all the money that you can versus a hometown discount where you take something clearly under market to stay where you are. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't take 10 million off the table. Uh, again, it depends on, on the cap increases, which we don't know exactly how much that'll end up being. I do but, think it'll benefit them that the, you know, when Vegas came in, the big bump came the year after they started play. Yeah, that's true. And that won't, that bump will happen after Landeskog has already signed his new contract. <coughs> 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 I got wrong hold by my water. Uh-oh. Um, well, I, I'm sure the Avs will have a, a good hold on, on what that cap hit is going to look like and, and how much the cap is going to go up there when they're negotiating with Landis Gog. So, so I, we'll see how much that actually comes into play. But I, I do think Landis Gog is the type to maybe take a little bit more of a hometown discount even it, it, middle ground or, or lower even and you know maybe he gets there and, and things change and he wants to get paid but I think we said this on on the show I don't really know what you can do with 120 million that you can't with 100 million so <laughs> sure but you also don't need to just leave 20 million dollars sitting That's there very true if, if it's on the table yeah. And I I wonder how much it depends on on where the Avs are as a team as well. If the Avs feel like, "Oh, we we still need this one more piece to really get a cup, would Landy be willing to take a little bit of a discount to make room for that maybe?" Or maybe 
maybe things go great and the abs already have a cup by the time his, his contract negotiation is up. And, and then that's going to push it the other way where he's even more valuable. Maybe he's already won the cup and he's like, all right, I did everything I said I was going to do. Yeah. Pay me. Paid. <laughs> yeah. I think the two, given it's two years from now, I think uh, Skinner at, I think at most it gives them like a bottom line. Yeah. I, it, it gives them a, okay, well that's where the market has gone to on guys like that now. Um, Cause you know, 75 points in, in 73 games. If he were to keep that, that kind of pace up and say he stays healthy and say he moves up to 80 points. Yeah. Then now you're really talking. <laughs> right. Then, then I think that <clears throat> that conversation changes quite a bit. Uh, because, you know, the big fish that, that we're talking about in free agency this year is Panarin, who has back-to-back 80-point seasons as a left wing. Yeah, and we've already, I've gone on record at least saying that I'd give him 12 and a half right now. So that would be like, I think, I think that would be the upper limit of me of where I would go. Sure. That's but, what, man, that's so much money. But, but even then it's, it's on your radar, right? It's not something you're just tossing right. away. Right, I'm not like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's. I think that would be. <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus! I cannot get rid of this. <laughs> I think that would definitely be um, something that you know, maybe maybe you maybe you take him off the top line. <laughs> you know, like you draft a center at four, you go out and you sign somebody and <clears throat> you let him play next to Tyson Jost next year. And he goes back down to being a 60 point guy for you. <laughs> you know, Landy, we really don't need you to be point per game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you don't do it for that reason, but maybe it's like a, it's like a, Oh, this is an accidental benefit for us. Right. We have more balance in our roster. And Landy stopped scoring 35 goals, but, you no, know, we, we don't have to pay him $12 million. <laughs> right, like, we don't have to pay him $12 million, and instead we're paying Kerfoot and Landeskog a combined $14 million instead. Right, yeah. It's, obviously, you, you do whatever it takes to win, but. <laughs> of course. It's a nice little benefit if you end up getting someone else to take that top line role. <laughs> yeah, I, uh. I do think it's going to be interesting and it's, it really kind of also underscores the importance of this year's draft class. This, you know, Martin, Martin Kaut last year, <clears throat> the fourth pick this year, the 16th pick this year, if those guys are forwards, you need them to be good and contributing because these cats are going to get expensive. Landis Cog is going to get expensive. We obviously know McKinnon is in for an enormous raise. Um, he's going to get more than double what he's making by the time he hits free agency. He's going to be a $15 million player. Yeah, I, I think pretty easily. <laughs> and <clears throat> you're hoping you can get Ranton in to take $10 million over eight years or something. Right. Get as much as you can out of him there. But, right. but right. Otherwise, you could be talking about $35 million for these three guys. We've, we've talked about it a few times, and and it's worth pounding the point home that you need these ELC guys to step up so you don't have to pay Matt Nieto $2 million, Matt Calvert almost $3 million. That's money that's going to have to go to the big stars when it's time yeah. to get paid. Well, and even Mark Barbario, 1.45 to be what is now your seventh or eighth defenseman, depending on how it shakes out with Ryan Graves. Right, exactly. Like, 
<clears throat> you have to 100% like Colorado is guy has got all this good young talent that's cheap and all that right now. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it like it up to this point, it has not mattered at all. Yeah. And it's going to matter a lot in the next couple of years, you know, like maybe, maybe <clears throat> Tyson Jost has a Ryan O'Reilly like ELC, you know, O'Reilly had 26 points, 26 points. And then I think 52 points after that. And that's not going to be cheap. If that like, happens. and the abs would have been better off just giving him $5 million at the end of that. And over the long term, and, and calling it good. They rolled the dice. They played hardball because Matt Duchesne got hurt in his third year and took a three and a half million dollar bridge deal instead. And they said, well, Matt Duchesne's been way better than you over three years. We can't give you double. Right. <clears throat> what, yeah. you know, for, for O'Reilly, maybe Tyson Jost has that kind of same situation where his third year, he doubles his career production. And, <clears throat> you know, you're like, well, maybe we can lock this guy in long term. For, for a little bit cheaper than what it's going to take. I think Colorado hasn't done a lot of that. You know, they did it with McKinnon. They did it with Landeskog. They did it with Duchesne. Um, they did it with Varlamov. But they didn't get, like, major, major, major discounts on most of those guys at the time of the signings. Obviously, McKinnon was a different situation. He has turned into an absolute freaking monster. And... <laughs> <clears throat> Landeskog, I think, has been fairly paid up until this last season That's when fair, he yeah. randomly turned into a point-per-game guy. I think one thing that's going to have to happen, Colorado's going to have to start winning some negotiations because I don't think they've done that. Yeah, I, I um, agree. They need to, and that, that's also going to require them taking a few risks. You know, if, if Jost has a 50-point season, they might have to take the chance on giving him a little bit more and signing him for a little bit longer to get value out of that. And and hopefully he really is a 50 point player and that's not a fluke type thing. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be huge, honestly, if they could get him and, and then get a discounted contract moving forward that, you know, we had a, one of our GM submissions last week had JT Comfer on a seven year deal at under $5 million. Yeah, uh, it was like a four two five or something like that. Like it sounds a little expensive today, but I think by the end of that contract, we're looking at that like we kind of are the Soderbergh deal, where we're like, yeah, that was great, that was perfectly fine. Yeah, I I think it'd probably be at least as good as the Soderbergh deal. <clears throat> I I think that the team should seriously start to get a little more aggressive with trying to get some of these younger guys on long term deals. You know, I've I've said, hey, with Comfer and, and Kerfoot and, you know, some of these guys right now, two-year deals make perfect sense. Uh, you don't have to get crazy. It allows you to it allows you to go a little bigger in free agency. It allows you all the financial flexibility that you want over the next two summers because uh, you're going to have Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard and, <clears throat> you know, hopefully Tyson Jost's con contract next summer is meaningful, is in the, at least in the Comfer-Kerfoot range. We, we know they're not afraid to to use term either, like we said with right. Soderbergh, and, and they've signed other free agents on the older side of things to, to extra years on their deals, so why yeah. not do it with the younger kids too? Yeah, I just, I think that's going to be a big shift for them moving forward, is they've got to be a lot more willing, and maybe maybe they haven't been willing because they haven't seen it out of any of the young guys. You know, they haven't seen very much 
oh yeah, we want to keep that guy around for the next five years. We want to make this guy somebody that's going to be here for a long time. You know, maybe they've seen a lot of their more of the guys as more expendable and and not oh we need to get that guy at a discount. You know, we need to lock him up now and hope that that deal you know goes goes well for us over the long haul. Whereas on the opposite side of that, you look at a team like Arizona has been very aggressive at doing that, you know, go too far the other way, but (laughs) well, because I mean, you look at it, the Christian Dvorak deal last year. Yeah. You know, six years and they gave him and the AAV is 4.45 million per. And he was coming off of a 37, 37 point season. Yep. You know, he had his first two years, 33 points, 37 points. So uh, a little, a little compresque. It's very much that kind of deal. But a guy, I think that they're hoping for more from. Yeah, sure. And and look, you know, you could probably go out and get someone to do that role in free agency, but you're gonna pay more in free agency. Yeah, that's how free agency works. So, I mean, just like, look at Matt Calvert as the perfect example. Right, exactly. So you can pay that more in free agency to not lock these guys up, and maybe even you end up getting a slight upgrade that <clears> way. But you're not going to have that money to spend elsewhere. And doing this, locking up guys longer term, yes, there's a little bit of risk, but it gives you more flexibility in so many ways. Oh, and, and I mean, it just it locks down your identity, too. It does. You know, you're not constantly going to be shuffling guys in and out of out of certain roles. Now, you don't want to go locking everybody up because then, you know, you're going to run into you're going to run into a jam. What happens when Cout and the two right. first round when picks this year, yeah. you know, do do blossom and, and it is time for them to come into the NHL. What happens when Nick Malosh and Connor Timmons show up? You know, the defense is already kind of there where you're like, OK, <laughs> what's going to happen here? Yeah, you have to keep flex spots in your roster for sure. You can't just say, yes, all six of my bottom six are signed for the next five years. That's makes no sense. But They better be but, really good in that case. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't hurt to have one or two depth type players, a third liner or middle six types locked up a little bit longer. Yeah, it it just means that you're not shopping for that guy every year. You know, exactly. you're not you're not going out at the deadline and acquiring a middle six guy every single season. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's not insignificant. You know, I think that's I think that's an important distinction is that that's that's what gets teams in trouble is when they're they're constantly trying to find those middle of the roster guys and the value form is kind of weird because they're important to other teams, but you have to overpay in terms of draft picks to get them. I mean, second round pick for Brian Boyle, perfect yep. example. Brian Boyle's a really good fourth liner, like a solid fourth line guy that can chip in, you know, 15 to 20 points for you, maybe a little bit more, kill penalties for you, win faceoffs, do, you know, do all those like little things that have value, but the teams pay too much to get. And especially when they don't have a guy like that already on the roster. They do dumb stuff at the deadline for them. And what they want to do, what the Avs really want to do, is put themselves in a position where they don't have to do that every year. Yep. You know, they don't have to go out and get Derek Broussard and and hope that the guy that he's been all season suddenly turns around. And then when it doesn't, it's like, okay. 
Yeah, I've, I've always been a, a supporter of if you're doing something at the deadline, at least do something big. Don't don't mess around with those bottom six type players. And to do that, you have to have a set bottom six already. And right. You do that through ELC contracts and, and getting value out of those players. All right. I agree with you. I think that's going to do it for this segment. We've got one segment left in which we're going to talk about the big fish. Yep. We're going to get into the Miko talk here. (laughs) Tie all this back into Jeff Skinner as he was kind of our jumping off point for the show. Before we do that, what if I told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app, have it delivered to you the same day, and save money doing it? Because that's exactly what I'm telling you. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. And you know how we love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering a $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. That does it for segment number two. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage, and we will be right back. And welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Nathan, what is a quirky habit that you have? A quirky habit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have hyperhidrosis in my hands. If you don't know what that is, it means my hands sweat a ridiculous amount. Really? Yeah. So my keyboard and mouse get extremely dirty if I don't clean them constantly. Uh, huh. For I know you watch some StarCraft too, so Gumiho actually has this too. And Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he's where I learned this from. He takes a towel with him to all the tournaments he goes to. Mm-hmm. And just after every game, he wipes off his mouse and keyboard to keep it clean. So I start, I've started doing that. Wow. I've never heard of that, and I had no idea uh, he... He did that. Yeah, that's why they call him the Towel Terran. I, to be honest with you, watch most of my esports on mute now. Fair. <laughs> as much as I love Tastosis, um, <laughs> and like they're like the only ones I'll listen to. Same. Uh, even now, they're they can get so loud. Yeah. Like I'll be watching, you know, I'll be watching GSL, and it'll be three o'clock in the morning, and I'll be like laying in bed watching it on my phone. And Artosis just starts like screaming about the oh my god, god. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh my god, dude, why don't you just wake up my whole house, bro? Damn. <laughs> so I don't. Uh, a lot of times now, I I'll watch it with like background music on that I can control the volume of, or I'll just watch it with nothing on, just like oh, I'm like that culture. like creepy guy like sitting there in silence watching my phone. <laughs> That's right. interesting. And I've, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what it was. It was just like the way I existed until I learned from Gumiho. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of, instead of like learning build orders or how to, you know, how to, how to play mech really well or, <laughs> yeah. or how to be the master of TVT, you learned sweaty hands. Yeah. That turns out when you smudge every piece of glass you touch, that's not normal. Oh. Huh. That's that's interesting stuff. No, I'd never uh, totally unfamiliar. Cool, learned something interesting. <laughs> I uh, 
you know how you know how people always say that they have OCD. Yeah. And it's like one of the most annoying things ever because it's like, no, you don't. You have a quirk. Right. Like or like you have like a little tick or whatever. Uh, I have an actual uh, an actual compulsion. Yeah. Uh, that started when I was very, very young. Um, I remember doing it all through elementary school. So um, it at least started before then because <laughs> I remember doing it all the time. <laughs> um, I, I have uh, my compulsion is counting. Interesting. And uh, so every time that I'm walking somewhere, I count my steps. And um, I have an, uh, my, it's all about counting to 20, the number 24. And so I do everything that I do in sets of like either two or four or 12 to, get to, to try to, yeah. to try to get to 24. And when I count things, I'll do them backwards. Like when I count my monitor, like, cause I'm, I'm doing it right now, actually. Um, I count the, the frame on my monitor. So there's like four sides to it. Right. Yeah. But I break each side down into four little sides because if you, you know, they're each rectangles. Quarter sections, yeah. Right. And so that gets me to 16. And then I count the actual monitor. I count the actual space inside of it as 20. And then I I count like the big thing on the outside. And that's how I get to 24. And then I go and I do it backwards. Interesting. And yeah, and I didn't think this was a thing. And I was reading. uh, I was reading up on it one time. And uh, when I was. Uh, in therapy, um, you know, my dad died when I was uh, 16. And so I went to a, uh, you know, I was, I saw a therapist for a long time uh, in my teen years. And <clears throat> he was telling me all about, it. he was like, no, this is an actual compulsion of yours. You have, a, you, you're like, you actually have OCD um, because you make up your own rules and like you do this everywhere you go. And it's, it's things that you do. Uh, I count the, the letters inside words. So, like, right now pulled up on my screen, uh, I've got Twitch on one of my monitors, because uh, E3 is going on. Yeah. And so it says special events, and special is seven, uh, seven letters, and events is six. So, in order, to, uh, in order to get that to 24, I cut off the S just mentally and call it a special event, because that gets me to 12, and then yeah. I count them backwards to get to 24. Nice. Why 24? I don't know. Um, that's just always been my number. When I count things... Like if I have to count things in big sets, I do. I do it in sets of twenty-four. I don't do it. I don't just count them. Interesting. Uh, I get to twenty-four and I stop and I start over at one again and then I go from there. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it does not. It doesn't have like a strong like some people's OCD like really screws them up. Yeah. And like you know, especially the people who are like, oh, I have to wash my hands. I have to, you know, I have to. They have to do. They have to like live their life in a certain way yeah. around it. Right. Uh, I'm obviously I'm glad that my compulsion does not do that, uh, and that I'm able to function and do and like live my normal life regularly um, while counting all these things. So it's just one of those things, one of those small things, you know. Yeah, it makes you you. Yeah, and you know we're in the summer now, so we get to have these we get to have these sidebar conversations at the beginning of segments. Can't wait for August. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a plan for August to get us through. Okay, so um, I don't know if it's a good one, but it's a plan. <laughs> Better than no plan. For now, though, it is June tenth, and we've got time. We do so. Apologies to everybody listening that that took six minutes to get through. I didn't think it was going to. I, 
It's just sort of where we ended up. The Jeff Skinner contract and its effects. I think it's going to have major effects. And obviously the big question on everybody everybody's mind that's in avalanche land is, what does this mean for Miko Rantanen? Well, it, it is a bit of a different situation. Rantanen is an RFA compared to Skinner, who would have been a UFA if he didn't get signed. So it, in that regard, it's not that similar. But as far as a player sticking with their team, who's one of their top producers and is going to get paid, that way there's a, t- a lot of similarities. Rantanen, better player than Jeff Skinner, I think. I don't even think it's that close, even though Skinner scores more goals. But he's also younger. So locking him up longer term is a lot safer. And th- and that's my key for the abs is I think they should certainly give him seven years. And if they can eight. Yeah. The big thing is that Rantanen still has four years to go. Right. To get to unrestricted free agency. Um, so when you're looking at a long-term contract, let's say a seven year deal, you're only buying three UFA years. You are, and and that's fair. Uh, if if you want to get every year out of him, you can. Then you could look at a bridge, but you're doing that knowing that on his next contract, after a, a two or three year bridge, he's going to get paid a lot. Right. Which, P.S. When when Sackett kind of hinted at this in his presser after the year that this was a possibility. He said we'd like to do something long term. But if we have to do short-term, we will. Yeah. And I know that some people were like, well, that's unacceptable. The player is not, you can't make the player sign a long-term contract. (laughs) Like, you can't, like, force choke him out until he does it, right? Like, you can't, like, you you will sign a long-term contract and, like, Jedi mind trick him into it. Like, that's not the way that it works. He has to be willing to do it. And from the sounds of what we've heard all season long, uh, in talking to his agent, is that they're weary of signing a long-term deal. Unless unless the abs slap down a lot of money, a long-term contract is not something that they maybe really want to get into right now. Yeah, no, I wonder about that. Because um, if the abs are doing a short-term deal, he's going to be an RFA at the end of it. They have no reason to, to take him to UFA with it. No, they're not going to give him a four-year deal. So you're looking at a three-year deal or maybe a two, if that's what they decide to do, whatever. But Rantanen doesn't really have much leverage to work with in negotiating a contract like that. He doesn't even have arbitration rights yet because he's coming off of his ELC. So if you're looking to do something like make an extremely hard push for a cup right now over the next two or three years, that could be a legitimate option to get Rantanen fairly cheap and then you have more money to work with to go all in. Do like a like a two year deal at like eight or nine million. I'd say closer to eight would. I would. I would say if I'm doing two years, I'm asking him to 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 take like seven or eight million. Right. I think that's that's more where I'd be comfortable with on a deal like that. And but uh, to be honest, personally, I would just say pay him whatever it takes to get him seven or eight and be done with it. But yeah, well, because like what we're talking about here is. If he goes, if he goes three years, say that it's he goes three more seasons and and he plays at an eighty-five point pace, he's going to get thirteen, fourteen million dollars. Yeah, easily. 
So why not give him today? Why not give him just the 10 or 10 and a half million over eight years? And, and if he takes, if he turns down the $80 million, then that's on him. Yep. Like you've offered, you've offered a 21 year old $80 million. And if he says no, you know, eight years uh, by 10 million. And if he says no, then he says no. Yeah. You know, would you, would you go as a high as 11 to get the eight years? Because again, like by the end of this, if he continues to produce the way that he has by the end of whatever, like bridge deal or whatever, you're going to be paying more than 11 million anyway. Yeah. I, I guess it would be unfair of me to say I do 12 and a half for Panarin and not do 11 for Rantanen. So I guess I probably would. That's just max money. Yep. You're not winning. You're winning the, the the negotiation in that you're keeping the player and he's going to be around for a long time. But you're not winning. You're not winning that contract negotiation. Like you're not getting a steal. You're not getting any kind of a major discount here. You're yep. you're paying, and it would be a relatively the fact that he's a wing. I think makes this interesting because. This is not Connor McDavid driving it himself. Right. You know, this is not Jack Eichel driving it himself. You know, Leon Dreisaitl got eight and a half million largely playing Robin to McDavid's Batman. Yeah. And that's the contract that I think they need to be looking looking at and working off of. Uh, now that contract, you know, that's that contract is signed two years ago. Yep. So... Uh, and that was with uh, him coming with uh, uh, Dreisaitl coming off of a 70-point season, not back-to-back 80-point seasons. Yeah, it's it's a decent comparable, but Rantanen is going to get more. He just is based off of just about every metric. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen Dreisaitl now. That, I mean, that deal right now looks, looks great. Fantastic. Like, Dreisaitl's coming off a 105-point season. For $8.5 million, you're like, yeah, okay. So for Rantanen, that's where I'm saying. Like, you you were looking at that and you're saying, all right, well, $9.5, 10000000 then. Yeah, if if you can get Rantanen for seven figures, even – I'd do that – who cares about the eighth year? If it's 9.5 for seven years, done. What if it's six? Oh, man. Six is a tough one because that's right in between. You're getting two UFA years. But and, if and, it's if it's six, it's say nine million. Yeah, that's that gets really tempting once you're if you're chopping it down to, to nine million. But I just don't know that if you're doing that, why not just take it to the extreme and give him the bridge and really cut down what you're paying him and then deal with another contract later. It feels too in the middle for me. A six year deal feels yeah. in the middle to you. Yeah. You're, you're not getting the value of UFA years from him. Someone's still going to pay him a bajillion dollars at the end of that contract. And but you're, you're still getting, you're still buying two UFA years for under $10 million, which are. By the time he reaches that, he could be a thirteen or fourteen million dollar player. He could be. He very well could be. But why not buy at least one more, if not two more, UFA years if you're going to go that way? 
Well, what I'm what I'm saying is like, what if that's the limit to what he'll say yes to? If you're the team, yeah, don't you just take that? That's fair. I mean, if you're at the table and he says, "I'm not doing more than six years," then you you do it. I don't I don't think that you want to hold back if he's not willing to do the seven or the eight. But I would really work hard on him and his agent to get seven out of him. Yeah, because he's 22. He's 22 right now. Yeah. And so he'll be, you know, six years. That that puts him at 28 years old. Yeah. That puts him right at the heart of free agency. You bought out a couple of UFA years, but that sets him up for another contract. Right. He's going to get insane money if he is a if UFA you, at If you do eight years, that puts him at 30 years old, and that puts you right in the middle of no man's land. Where yeah. maybe on his next deal, you're paying for purely decline out of his prime. Right. But from Rantanen's perspective, I think he still gets paid massively at 30, you know, barring anything crazy happening. Assuming his career continues to yeah. go this way, of course. Right. Yes, obviously. Um, but right. That's it's definitely a different conversation if you're the abs having to sign him again at 30. That's why I'm wondering if they want a bridge deal. The Avs would like the eight-year deal. I wonder if six years is like where they find the fair territory of, we'll give you nine, nine and a half million. We want to keep this under 10, but you guys don't want to go eight years. Six years means that we can still pay you for two, two of the years in his 20s on the next contract. You know, you're still getting the end of his prime and he's getting paid for that and you don't worry as much about the decline because you then then you do want to give him seven or eight years. You want to finish. You want to make sure that he finishes his career in Colorado at that point. Yeah, for sure. I, Which it's funny. We're talking about him finishing his career, like in contract yeah. terms, like he maybe maybe he ends up just signing two eight year deals and that's, that's it for his contract. I would love that. <laughs> like how, how easy would that be? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, you know, I just like seven better. I just think that extra year has a lot of value. If you're not it going does. for the all-in push of a, a bridge deal, get as much as you can out of them. Well, it has huge value because you're not also, you know, you're also talking about McKinnon will have gotten his raise by then. Yeah, that's true. Landeskog will have gotten his raise by then. You know, Kale McCarr will be on his second contract. Like, you, ex- you know, you expect by that point – that that sixth year, that seventh year, this roster is, I mean, it's for one, it's completely different. Yes. And a lot of these core guys are still going to be hanging around. You hope, like you hope things go well enough to justify keeping a lot of these guys around. And, but they're going to be way more expensive. And, you know, getting, getting a seventh year out of Ranton and at 9 million Instead of having to pay, you know, fourteen million for him at the start of his next contract, that, that's a huge difference. It, it is, and that's that's a five that's five million dollar player that they could go out and get in that year, you know. And who knows what you know? Who knows what they've won or what the situation the team looks like? You know, you know who knows how many business Spencer Knight has won by then. <laughs> we just don't know. There you go. Well, so yeah, and that and that's the other factor too, right? We've talked about the number of options for the abs and free agency here. And and I think other than maybe Panarin, most of them, we aren't super comfortable giving seven years to. 
Yeah. So, so those are things that will fall off the books before Rantanen's contract is up if you get him that seven. Yeah, definitely. You want, I mean, well, and, and Panarin, it's just like, the guy's just too good. Right, of course. He's a, he's a truly, like, an elite, elite, elite level player. Yeah, I I wouldn't shed any tears if we have both Rantanen and Panarin signed for the next seven years. Oh my god, dude. <sighs> but an- another interesting little uh, little point to a contract here, just to kind of tie it back into Jeff Skinner, is Jeff Skinner's signing bonuses is mm. it, it's like the signal for the first horseman of the lockout, basically. <laughs> right. And we saw this a little bit in some of the other deals. Uh, we saw it in Kucherov's contract last year. Yeah. This is an extreme example, though. It, yeah, this one, he got, I think in 2020, 2021, it's $7.5 of his $10 million he's getting paid that year is signing bonus. Then he skips 21-22, and in 22-23, he does it again. Yeah. So it's, Those it's are specifically made for anti-lockout. Right. And so for those uh, unfamiliar uh, with the terms of this current CBA, uh, there are mutual opt-out options that will happen this summer. Yep. And uh, in September of this year. I think it's like September 1st and September 15th. Uh, and if both sides agree to opt out, then 2020-2021 becomes the season in doubt. Mm-hmm. And that's why his signing bonus is $7.5 million because regardless of whether or not there's a CBA or if they're playing, he will get a $7.5 million check from the Buffalo Sabres on July 1st. Yep. And the if they choose not to opt out of the CBA, then the CBA ends in 2022. And on July 1st in 2022... Jeff Skinner will get a $7.5 million check regardless of the status of the CBA. Yep. And that's, that is lockout protection for the players. Uh, I bring up the Nikita Kucherov contract because when he signed his deal last year, uh, he signed a $76 million deal, 44.5 million of which is in signing bonuses. (laughs) And, so he doesn't July 1st every year. That dude can do whatever the hell he wants. Cause he is getting crazy cash on uh, July 1st every year. He making mad money. We saw the same thing. Uh, John Tavares's contract. Yep. A more extreme example, $77 million deal uh, from, from trader number one and 70 million, 890,000 of it is in signing bonuses. Yeah. To, I guess kind John of the- Tavares makes less than a million dollars in salary every single year with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's it's a way to for players to get guaranteed money, right? Yeah, and like and and these are buyout proof contracts because when they buy it out, uh, the money that gets cut is your salary. Right. You so. make the you make the signing bonus money no matter what. Yep. So if you were to go and like buy out his contract, buy out John Tavares's contract, the cap hit is ten million dollars. <laughs> so it doesn't uh, do doesn't do a damn thing for you yeah right so I, I mean maybe that's something to think about when you're signing a guy for eight years i i think it's gonna be something colorado has to be willing to do uh we haven't agree, seen them get yeah. very crazy i wouldn't uh, be worried about buying out ranton either 
Right, but I mean, they have to be willing to to structure it. They have to yeah. be willing to give because you know Nathan uh, Nathan McKinnon's contract includes no signing bonuses. Every single penny of his contract is in uh, salary yeah. salary. So if he has a devastating knee injury and he can't play anymore in the last couple of years of his deal, you know they could theoretically buy that out, and he loses out a ton of money. Yep, but it's not against the cap, right? You know, Landis Cog, same thing. Zero dollars in signing bonuses. They have not shown an affinity for doing that. Um, Eric Johnson, the same exact thing. It's all been straight salary. They have not gotten creative with any of these contracts. Yeah, the other thing that all these guys have in common is uh, an NMC. I think... Skinner and Tavares have just a complete one across the whole contract. I'm not sure on Kucherov, but. Oh, God, I would imagine, right? It looks like he it's modified for the last couple of years, but but basically. Oh, this first year there was nothing. And then okay. he has a full NMC for four years. And then he has a modified no trade clause the last three years. That's weird. That is a little weird. But regardless, these when you're locking these guys up, you're locking them up. They're not really very movable right and i would expect the the same thing for rantanen as far as that is concerned yeah and rantanen's not allowed to have um that kind of right. trade protection put in until he's off his elc right yeah um i think it's i think it's the when he gets he's his ufa years are eligible for trade protection yeah and so the I, first four years of the deal, he would not have any of that in there. Right. But, you know, maybe that's a that's a chalking point to get him to seven or eight. Is They say, hey, we'll slap the NMC on your UFA years. Yeah. I mean, this, this should not be a conversation, you know. But, you know, I mean, obviously you never know how it goes. Uh, we, we thought Matt Duchesne would be an app for life just because he wanted to be in Colorado so badly. And then he didn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. You just never really know how it goes. And that could have presented complications uh, in the Duchesne thing had had he had any kind of protection. It certainly could have. But it yeah, still should it, not be something you're worried about. It should be something you're willing yeah. to give a guy like Ranton in. And, and it is it is a signal when you do give that to a guy, especially if you're a franchise that doesn't give a lot of them out. Like, if you're Detroit and you've handed them out to freaking everybody, then it's just like, okay, well, when I'm dealing with Detroit, I'm looking to get this. Like, I'm trying to get this out of them. Uh, But if you're if you're dealing with Colorado, you have a little less and they're and if they're willing to go there, it means a lot more just because they historically haven't. Yeah, they've had a couple of silly ones, but. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like the 35 plus guys, um, that's different. But right for their for their young core type players, they they have not done that very much, and it, yeah. it, it certainly is a signal that they want to keep you around and and you're important. Yeah, the uh, Landis like Landiscog's got a modified no trade clause. Yeah, they they and, seem partial to to doing that instead of a full on. Yeah, and well, and and um, uh, what's his face? Carl Soderberg has one as well. What's yeah. his face? I could picture him. I was like, you know, <laughs> that guy. Uh, he's he's got one as well, and and of course you have Eric Johnson has like the weird, no, move, I, but also a trade list. <laughs> yeah, like what is this? 
Yeah, that one's definitely a little weird. But, right, it's, I mean, stuff like that for Ranson, you, you give him pretty much everything as far as that concerned, whatever he wants. Yeah, like, when it, with a guy like Ranson and certainly a guy like when McKinnon comes up again in yeah. 2023, um, you give those guys whatever. Those are Those guys are your franchise. They are the crux of your success and failure, so. For sure. You know, they don't make the postseason these last couple of years without those cats. Pay them whatever, honestly. Like, that's – you want to be fiscally responsible, but you don't want to piss these guys off. Right. Don't lowball them, certainly. <laughs> yeah, don't go in and be like, all right, Miko, how about this David Posternot contract? <laughs> At $6.666666 per year for six years. Does that sound cool? <laughs> like – it don't don't be offensive. Like go in there and understand. Okay, we're probably using Drysidle as the comp, and yep. and it's not even a great comp at that. It's there's not really one for Miko Ranton, and he's kind of his own market right now. Yeah, I I agree with that. You gotta you gotta be reasonable with it, and if it costs you an extra five hundred k, it costs you an extra five hundred k. No need to be stingy. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for today for us. Uh, we're going to be talking. This is not the last time we talk about Miko Ranton and his contract situation It is going to be something that we talk about probably all summer. I have said previously, I fully expect the RFA market to carry on into, uh, September. So there's your plan for August. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to talk about it every day. (laughs) With uh, I mean, with Mitch Marner and Sebastian yeah. Ajo and Patrick Laine and even guys like Kappen and 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 uh, Matthew Kachuk, like the high end guys, are all up at the same time, and so they're all kind of waiting for one domino to fall. Yep. The only one that seems aggressive with it is Marner, who's like, "Oh, give me ten million. and you know, if he actually goes out, like I think the whole key to this RFA thing could be. Mitch Marner has his his agent has threatened for him to go on um, offer sheet trips. If somebody signs him to an offer sheet, that immediately moves yep. the RFA market because now there's a contract to set. Yep, exactly. You have a dollar value then. Yep, because he's I believe he's the highest scoring RFA. Um, he had an, so, yeah. a Braden Point. Um, can't I always forget he's on this market too. <laughs> You forget he's like a superstar point production. <laughs> Kucherov just went out and scored 130 on that team. So. They had three 90 point scores. Yeah, that's insane. And it's, I'm not going to get into this. This is, this yeah. will be a whole thing that'll piss me <laughs> off again. Uh, but yeah, like Braden point, he's also out there 92 points. Uh, so he's a guy that, you know, any if any of these guys get signed, any of these guys get anything done, uh, it starts to it starts to put it, it could grease the wheels a little. Yeah, it creates a, a dollar value bubble. Something for guys to actually start working off of and say, all right, let's do this. Yep. All right. In terms of what we're going to do, we're going to get out of here for the day. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just. Get Ranson and done for whatever it takes, and then, as I've said in previous shows, go get that bread. Go get that bread. <sighs> I try not to think about it too much because I'm like, my brain almost can't handle how good that would immediately make them. 
<laughs> and so I'm just like, I don't think about it very much because I, I don't allow myself to go there. Well, um, everyone can yell at me when it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm prepared for that reality. Well, and, and, you know, it'll be like the same people who, when they got the fourth pick in the lotto, who were like, I don't know why everybody's upset. Those were the statistical odds. And you're like, because you were hoping for something better, you dick. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> The same, it'll be the same thing with Panarin. Like, oh, he was never coming here. Like, if you've taken that stance, that's great. But there's hope. <laughs> yeah, if you can't dream a little, then I don't know. Why bother? Then, yeah, why even go to sleep? Jeez. <laughs> no, and the the thing with the, the Panarin stuff is, like, Florida. It's like, oh, Florida's going to, like, have you seen how much money is tied up in Florida already? It, it's not a little bit <laughs> like they've got 22 million in cap space true but they have guys to sign and you know they've they've got a lot of forwards already so they and they've they've drafted nothing but forwards <laughs> for years and so it's the florida thing is weird to me uh especially because there's all kinds of talk that uh, uh, Panarin and Quinville did not necessarily see eye to eye. Yeah, like they were not like, I don't know that it'll be how much of a selling point it'll be for him in Florida. Like familiarity is great, but I don't know that it was like, oh my God, I love playing for him. I got to go do it again. You know, not that that's what our Jimmy Panarin sounds like. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what his voice is. <laughs> I, no, I have no idea what his voice sounds like, so... That's a good end point right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get out of here for the day. We will see you guys uh, tomorrow. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free coors banquet at any bar on that list all you have to do is show the bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network